Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance. Hi, everybody. Welcome to tonight's amazing share at Coach Menachem Bernfeld. Tonight is share number 88 with the Let's Get Real team. I want to welcome everybody for coming here tonight. Um, again, I want to thank everybody for posting on the WhatsApp statuses and emailing it all over to their friends and family. I, I just, I'm saying this the last few weeks because I'm just seeing it more and more. The statuses and the amount of people that are seeing it, it's really all over the world. Literally in every country, there's somebody posting it. I'm, I'm seeing this in Europe and Belgium and Israel. So I wanted to really give a shout out to all the people that are doing it. This program is all built from you. Everybody's, we're doing it together to you know, really help each other. And I just want to thank everybody. Thank you so much for posting it. Like I say, every week, not every program might be for you, but if you post it, it might be for somebody else that could really use it. So please keep it in mind. All those that are watching the replay of this on YouTube, click on the like button for Coach Menachem, the subscribe button. It's like this, me and Menachem could buy a fancy house and be rich. So please do that as soon as possible. If anybody interested in getting the flyers every Sunday, uh, please WhatsApp me personally at 848-525-0066, 848 and uh, sign up, and every Sunday morning I send it out to you. You can post it, send it to your family chats, and really, it's a tremendous thing to help people. So let's all be involved together. I want to start off first with thanking all our advertising sponsors that promote us digitally all over the Lakewood Scoop here in Lakewood. I'm not there now, but the Lakewood Scoop in Lakewood, Shreya for promoting us every week, Rabbi Yanifu Chazak, Chazak for promoting all the Chazak channels. Special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Summer from JCN, Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us on all the digital platforms. David, I think I plastered you all over the world, so uh, everybody knows about this chair. You definitely did. You definitely did. Thank you. We do a good job at that. Next Sunday, Matt we're going to have a very powerful program with famous therapist who was actually on before with somebody else. This time he's coming on by himself. Dr. Vinyam Tepfer, PhD. He's the son of Lord Michael Weinberger. He's the founding director of Arborant Intensives. It's, a, it's an outpatient IOP program. We'll be discussing a very interesting topic. I don't know who knows about it, who doesn't know about it, but I think it's something that we should discuss. People are talking about a lot. I've been hearing it all over the place. The title of this year next week is called New Frontiers. What is psychedelic assisted psychotherapy? How could it possibly heal my trauma, addictions, and emotional pain? It's going to be next level program, something that um, I don't know who knows about, who doesn't know about it, but a lot of people are into it. And um, please join us and post and let people know about it. Tonight, we have the discuss of having the world famous master of ADHD from Lakewood. And he's also an Aguda moderator. And he's also the, the president of all the camps in Lakewood. We're not going to be discussing uh, Camp Yacha tonight. It's off the table. I know it's a big topic, but we'll not be discussing it tonight because we have a very short time frame because I have to end at a specific time. What? Thank you, I see. Right. You're going to have to come on another time to discuss it. So let's really focus on the topic and let's get to Tachlis as much as we could during that time. And uh, let's start off with our host, Coach Menachem Berenfeld. Please, Menachem, open it up. Thank you very much. I want to welcome everyone. If you're here with us on this journey for the first time, welcome. Um, before we start tonight, I do have to say that last week we had Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld, which was phenomenal. And uh, it was really, really amazing, the, the, the feedback that we got. And we even uh, started thinking that a lot of people wanted to have a follow-up 
with Rabbi Joey. And for those who are interested, we're working on putting together a course and to be able to, to get to practical to what we discussed last week, which Baruch Hashem, a lot of people asked for feedback. So we can work on that to let me know in the email. Tonight, we're going to be discussing ADHD and we called it Across the Lifespan to sit for an hour and a half to discuss across the lifespan. I don't think it's possible. We're probably going to be touching um, on a few ideas, but it's, it's, it's a really huge topic. And like everything else, when we send out the emails, just by the emails coming in, we see in a way we must have opened the can of worms or what's going on in the, whether it's young kids or adults, spouse, how, how to deal with ADHD for yourself, for your spouse, for a kid. And it's, it's, it's a heavy topic. It's not easy. And uh, I do want to thank Rav David Becker for coming on. I know he deals with this uh, a lot, but it's, it's, a, it's a huge topic. And every question, every person is, is, is different. You know, you have to know exactly what's going on and whether the medication is working. Should I go for this? Should I try that? A lot of frustration, a lot of anxiety. And you're talking about whether it's the child himself, how to deal with himself, the parent, the teacher in the classroom, when they have 30 kids in the classroom and then they have two or three, it's, it's, it's hard. I, you know, I spent some time in the, in the Rebbe's room and we hear about it all day until things work out, till, till the parents are ready to, to hear. And you know, it's, it's, it's not always easy. But there's one thing that I do want to mention that no matter what way you are, there's one thing that you need to have one ingredient. What I would call is self-care. No matter what's going on, sometimes you can find yourself that you've tried everything and there's just chaos and you, you don't see a way out. But you have to take care of yourself to relax, to take it easy, take a deep breath, which is not always possible. And slowly find the solution because there are out there some solutions, you know, you go to a professional and a mission tonight will hear some concepts, ideas, and hopefully things that you can use practical or at least where you could go, whether it's starting the journey or whether you're in the middle or at the end and giving up. Just so that you know that, there, you know, it's hard, but to be able to get to the right place. And we're discussing even people over here, 40, 50s. And it doesn't have to be always ADHD or ADD. It could be just flying all over the place and just trying to figure out how do I get things working out? We'll discuss tonight in which um, executive functioning, just to know what am I doing today? And at the end of the day, what did I do? And what am I gonna do tomorrow? To be able to be relaxed and know what's going on. And I know a lot of people think it's not possible, but tonight we'll hear a lot about it. Thank you, Reb David Becker, to be with us tonight. And Mitzvah Hashem, we should have Siyat Adeshmaya, but should be able to hear what they need so that they can use it, practical things to use wherever they need it. Coach Manah from Beautiful Opening. Okay, so tonight we're going to be discussing ADHD. We're talking, really got the questions all over the board. We got the questions about the children, obviously. We got the questions about the spouses. Got the questions about themselves. We got it all over the board. We're going to try to cover as much as possible uh, with the time that we have. So let's get into it. Tonight's show, tonight show, we're going to do tonight's share. We're going to learn Leil Nishmas first. Um, first, we're going to do it for Rabbi Waxman, who's my, my father's uh, very good friend. Oh, I'm sorry, which his name is Rafael Kassil Ben Yosef Baruch, who's his yard site. 
and uh, should be a schuss for him. And also, right before the share, Dove Becker told me that a cousin of his in Israel was hit by a bus, and she's going through some, she's going through some surgery. Her name is Chana Basdina. She should have a full shalema, and she should feel good. And the schuss from all the hundreds of people that are here now. And Reb David, all the thousands and tens of thousands of people that are going to listen to it. Please stop. Uh, <laughs> it's all the people that are going to listen to it. Should be mechazek them. It should be mechazek these people. So let's get into it. I'm going to read Reb David Becker's very short bio. Even though it's very long, I'm going to cut it down because we really want to get to Tachas tonight. And for people that have ADHD, we want to be very focused. We want to be all over the place. Let's be focused. David Becker, LCSW, ADHD, CCPS, SP, specialized in ADHD, is a passionate about and specializes in helping people of all ages live a better life with ADHD. He's a program coordinator professor at the Wurzburger School of Social Work. David Becker, it's supposed to have you here. Thank you for coming. Open it up for the other Thank you, Ashi. First of all, I was I, I thought you were wearing a Yachad t-shirt, but um, at least you have something going. Thank you. Thank you, Ashi. Thank you, Kosh Menachem. Thank you, Arnech. It's an honor. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I want to thank, thank, thank uh, Ashi and the coach for being my therapist uh, over the past week and helping me stay calm and get through this. Till Shabbos when my my family and my kids took over. So thank you, everyone. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned focus. We talked about when we, when we conceptualized how this can be helpful for everyone who's joining tonight. And thank you, everyone, for taking the time to join. Um, we talked about parenting, um, working with kids, education, couples work, relationships. There's so much to, to, to cover. Trying to figure out like how to make it focused and helpful. And we kind of decided that We'll do it in ADHD style. We'll be all over the map and we'll, we'll try to cover as much as we can um, from all different angles and hopefully everyone will have something from it. So as like sort of an overview, I thought I'd just give you a window into the life of a, uh, a family and hopefully that can help us get a sense of, of what life is like. So I want to introduce you now. Any, anyone I talk about tonight obviously is, is not based on a real person. If anything, it's a composite sketch of a, a number of people. So there's no um, personal information that I'm going to be sharing tonight. So I want to just want to share that. Okay, so we'll talk about the Drippenstein family. So let's let's start with Surly. Surly's 11. He's in sixth grade in Yeshiva. And we'll, we'll take you through a day in the life. Good morning. Surly wakes up a little bit late, right? His bus comes at 8. He wakes up at 7.15. His alarm clock uh, doesn't ring because he forgot to set it last night. His mother comes in and says, Surly, it's time to get up. Okay. Surly looks at his clock, 7.15, that's way before 8 o'clock, uh, he's back out. 7.30, she's back in, 7.40, 7.50, 7.55, looks at his clock, he's like, oh my gosh, my bus is in five minutes. So he jumps out of bed, can't find his pants. So he's running around the room looking for his pants, his mother's getting frantic. You know, he finally finds a, a spear pier in the laundry room, runs downstairs, can't find his homework. So he finds his homework, can't find his briefcase, finds his briefcase, Stuffs the homework in the briefcase, runs to grab breakfast, spills the milk all over the place, flies out the door. By that time, the house is upside down, mother's frantic, everything is chaotic, and he's off to the bus. Luckily, the bus came late, and he managed to, to chase it down the block. He got on the bus. Bus drives to Yeshiva. He makes it to Yeshiva, schmoozing with his friends, having a good time, gets off the bus, and starts walking into Yeshiva. He's like, oh my gosh, I left my briefcase on the bus. And it's the third time this week. So he runs back, he's banging on the side of the bus, Driver stops the bus. Okay, what now? So he says, the briefcase again? Yeah, the briefcase again. He goes back on, gets the briefcase, chugs off the bus, <clears throat> runs for the front door of the yeshiva, runs down the hallway, charges into his class, and his Rebbe, Rabbi Brown, stops him. Now, Rabbi Brown, don't get me wrong, he's an incredible Rebbe, um, really caring, really dedicated, really giving, 
he, he's, he's up all night preparing his worksheets, that type of Rebbe. And he's also very rule-based and structured. And he believes very strongly that if you just act tough with the kids and you show them the rules and you show them who's boss, it works. And it does for 98% of the kids. It's really dripping scene, not so much. So he comes in, the Rebbe's like, you're late again. Third time this week, Manal. So he's out. He goes to Manal's office and Manal rolls his eyes like, okay, <clears throat> what happened? You forgot your briefcase on the bus. Which story are you going to tell me this time? You have to stay in by recess. Lovely. So he goes back to his classroom, finally settles down. He's opening his Gemara. He can't find the place. The class has already started. He has no idea what's flying. And then comes the ant. So the ant is crawling across his Gemara. And the Rebbe's teaching. He's trying to concentrate on the Rebbe, but there's an ant on his Gemara. And trust me, ants are the most fascinating things that can crawl across Gemaras. And the school forgot to call the exterminator. So he's looking at the ant on the Gemara. The ant's walking slowly across the Gemara. And he starts thinking about ants. And he remembers the story of Shalom Malach and the ant. And he's thinking and he's dreaming. And all of a sudden he hears, Sreli! <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, are, are you paying attention? Of course, Rabbi, I'm paying attention. What's the next word? Uh, ant. And the whole class bursts out laughing. Sreli's out. So... And then he has to sit in for recess. So by the time recess is over, he's wired. By the time the day is over, he's, he's suspended from English for being supposed to predict for the teacher. That's really. Meanwhile, uh, a couple of miles away, his father, Shia, is at work. Now, Shia is a team manager in a real estate company. And he's, at, he's a great guy. He's very likable. Everyone likes him. Everyone likes working for him. And he does a great job. So he's sitting there, here's Shia, working on a spreadsheet because he has to get in that year-end report. Uh, before the end of the year, which is um, tomorrow. So there he is working on the spreadsheet yeah. finally because he's been pushing it off for the last uh, eight months and he's really getting work done. And then his phone buzzes and it's his wife. And she says, listen, uh, I know you're coming home in a half hour. Do me a favor. I need heavy creamer for supper. Can you just make sure to stop by the grocery speaking really slowly because she wants to make sure he gets it. Are you listening? I'm listening. Stop by the grocery, get the heavy creamer because we need it for supper. Can you repeat it back? Yes. Can you, uh, you want the heavy creamer for supper? Yeah. <coughs> oh, and also, can you get a loaf of bread for tomorrow? Okay. They said, sure, no problem. I got it. Hangs up. Oh, actually, it doesn't hang up because his boss clicks in. He says, sorry, hon, I'll be back in a second. I just got to take this call from my boss. Hang in there. Goes to his boss, gets into a 15-minute conversation with his boss, completely forgets that his wife is on the phone. After 15 minutes, he clicks back and he's like, um, oh, who is this? Oh, you're still there. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to remember this stuff. He's about to leave when he gets a pop-up on his, you know, on the bottom right corner of your screen, those things come on. Great news. Governor Murphy has a new vaccine mandate for employers. And he's thinking, oh man, this is going to affect the business. I better check this out before I leave. So he pops up the vaccine mandate and he's, he's checking it out. And, and, and it's really interesting. Like, is it going to happen? It's not going to happen. It might happen. It might not happen. He's not sure. And then his phone buzzes. And turns out that uh, that that's really Besser guy has a new take two episode out on the podcast. And anything that's really Besser puts out, you obviously has to have to listen to um, because it's fascinating and it's interesting and it can probably change your life. So he always wondered, um, he always wondered what Yakov Shweki was thinking when he walked off the stage in Nokia. So he goes, you know, he's and he's on to he's on to that. And then a pop-up pops up in his computer that says, this one food will improve your focus at work by 30%. Guaranteed. And this is fascinating because if he can improve his focus at work by 30%, guaranteed, 
Then he's got the spreadsheet covered in time for tomorrow. So he's off to there. But eventually he gets out, goes to the store, picks up the bread, goes to the counter, he's about to check out, and then he sees the gum. And there's all different flavors, and he needs gum. He likes gum. His wife likes gum. And he thinks, okay, let me get the gum. So he buys all the flavors of gum, and he heads home. Comes into the house. The house is chaos. The kids didn't eat yet. Supper is delayed by 40 minutes. And he's like, hi, honey, I'm home. And she's like, did you get? Did you stop by the, by the store? He's like, yeah, of course. I stopped by the store. What do you think? Um, you think I would forget to stop by the store? She's like, great. Where's the creamer? He's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, so I got the bread and I have the gum, but, but I forgot the creamer. I'm going to let me run back out and get the creamer. And he heads out the door, comes back and comes to the creamer. By that time, the, uh, the kids are eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. His wife is frustrated and they sit down to eat. So now they're eating and they're talking about supper. They're talking over supper. And she starts telling him about her day at work. Well, she's sounding familiar. What's going on? She starts uh, telling. I'm literally having. I'm literally having PTSD, as you say. Just don't don't bang the table. You talk. Don't touch the table. Okay, I'm sorry. So she, he, he, getting animated. Um, true story, by the way. Uh, so so <laughs> so he he you know they start talking. She's talking about the girl Panina, three cubicles over, and Panina is going to Champions Gate for midwinter vacation, right? Of course. And uh, would you believe it? The boss isn't letting her go. He said she took off last year. We have to rotate. He's not letting her go. And she's talking about Panina and the day and the girl at work. And he, he's like, he's not there. He's in the spreadsheet. He's in the creamer. There's nobody home. Finally, she says, hey, are, are you even listening to me? And he's like, yeah, you're talking about, uh, uh, and he's, he's, he's totally lost. So now she's frustrated. And then he sees that she's not happy about something else. And he's like, you know, okay, what's wrong? So did you forget something? He's like thinking, 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 and then it clicks. He's like, no, of course not. Happy anniversary. Uh, <laughs> so excited, you know, I can't believe it's all the, I mean, I don't remember how many years it is by now, but it's a bunch of years together. And his wife is like, it's not my anniversary. He's like, I, I know, I'm just kidding. Happy birthday, hon. You know, I know it's, you know, we, we, we saw, I was gonna celebrate the English birthday this year, and, uh, and I have plans for it, don't worry. And she's like, uh, it is the English birthday. So at this point is when he goes to Meyer, right? You know, that's always the, the escape route. Get out the door to Meyer. So this is just like, I guess, a, a, a dramatic portrayal of, an, of a family. Now, I'm guessing from all the people who are, who are, who are listening, this story might resonate. I, I, would, I would imagine it would resonate with about 11% of the people listening tonight. They're probably saying, this is my family. Um, the rest of you probably think I'm nuts and are like, okay, this, this doesn't make any sense. This can never happen. Um, but if you're in the 11%, then private message Bushy and let him know because I, I'm curious how many people will get. But, so saying, this is not ADHD. This is typical male behavior. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that. And, and there, there's some truth to it. And I think we're going to need to address like, where do we, you know, where does the line cross? Because we do live in a in a age and a generation that is very, very um, similar to the the patterns of ADHD. So, um, understanding and how to, how to differentiate it is is, is going to be important. But that that so I'm hoping over tonight, um, with all the questions that came in and things that and whatever comes in live, we'll be able to understand a little bit about this family. It's really uh, uh, Shia, the relationship, the dynamics, and try to get a sense of 
what's going on here, how to how to intervene, like where to go, where to start, what to believe, what to do, and 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 we'll take it from there. So that's 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 my introduction. But from a statistical perspective, yeah, um, eleven percent, at least the latest uh, latest statistics that I've seen, eleven percent of the population um, in, in the United States of America it would would be expected to be ADHD. That, that's in children. When it gets to adults, that number drops down to about four point four percent. Um, but what's interesting is that that the latest research is showing that if you have ADHD as a child, there's about a 90% chance that you'll carry it into adulthood. So we're I would expect the statistics to um, to start to to start to match a little bit more closely. There you have it. Ashi, beautiful. Okay, ready to Let's start off with a poll. Go with you. Can take a minute break. Take a drink. Bang the table a few more times. Get it out of you. <laughs> you told me to be passionate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People ask you because observing them. We have a lot of live questions. We're gonna get to them. Anybody who has a live question, there's a, there's a line. So please text me, Usher Parnas. The chat over here, and live goes first. Obviously, if you have a question to ask, um, and you're too shy, somebody writes, "I'm too shy." You watched a few shiurim ago. We did one on public speaking. Then you could ask the question. But live questions go first. If you want to just text, we'll try to get to it. We have a load of questions tonight. So let's get to it. Let's get into the poll. Here we go. Let's do the poll. Okay, two-question poll. You ready? First question. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the words ADHD? Four options. You ready? Hyperactive. That's option A. Spaced out, absent-minded. Option B. Option C. Lots of pills and meds and psychiatrist appointments. Or option D, the other way, awesomeness and superpowers. Because you have ADHD, you can also have superpowers. What comes to your mind the first thing when you hear ADHD? The first question. The second question is the first time we coach Manasseh from history, we're doing five options because there's, you know, you got to figure out what to do over here. Listen to the options and choose one. A lot going what on. Would you like to hear or learn from tonight's session? Abdullah, this is what the other wants to hear. Option A, understanding ADHD. Option B, practical parenting for ADHD children. Option C, how to help my spouse who has ADHD to help my spouse. Option D, how to help myself with a spouse that has ADHD. So again, the third option is to help my spouse, nothing to do with me. The fourth one is helping myself because my spouse has ADHD. And the fifth option is myself. How do I help myself with ADHD? Choose one. Yes. Yeah. So choose one. <laughs> Somebody's saying, saying A, B, and C. No, no, just choose one. We'll, we'll then we'll do it. We'll do exactly. the, you can choose we'll them all together and then we'll jump into it, okay? Right, they're all over the place. It's all over the place. Literally, this whole show is oh, yeah. all over the place. Unbelievable. Okay. We're modeling. Literally. Five, four, three. No rush, but rush. Okay, here we go. Let's share the results. Here we go. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you're ADHD? Rabdavid, 53% of people here say tonight hyperactiveness. 31% spaced out of absent-minded. Only 3% of people think of, think of pills and psychiatry, stuff like that. Very interesting. And only 13% think of awesomeness and superpowers. So by far, hyperactiveness and spaced out is the number one and two answers. Second, second, second question. What would you like to hear or learn from tonight's session with Dove Becker? 28% of the people say understanding ADHD. The winning answer is practical parenting for ADH, 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 I'm sorry, ADHD <laughs> children, 37% of people. So that's obviously a big focus that we have to focus on tonight. How to help my spouse with, with ADHD is only 6%. How to help myself with a spouse that has ADHD is 10%. And 20% of the people here tonight, a fifth of the people here tonight, how to help myself with ADHD. So there's definitely people here tonight that are coming for their own self up, which is great. Um, again, we have the Swiss man, Rabdova Becker. This is something that he's put many, many years into it and he's passionate about it. And 
by far he, he's the, I want to say the, the leading expert in, in our, in our circles, ADHD. So if you have a question, please ask it and uh, let's all get physically together. We'll start with the first question that came in. We'll start with the first question that came in. I think it relates can I, to- Can I react to the poll for a second? Yeah, you could definitely. Okay, yeah, so just um, on, on the first question, 53% came in as hyperactive and that makes sense because um, most people commonly when you think about ADHD, you do think of those hyper fidgety kids and um, that's really why so many people miss the diagnosis. ADHD is the most overdiagnosed disorder in the world, but it's also the most underdiagnosed. And that's because if the hyperactive component is missing, you just don't think of ADHD, which is why um, boys are, are twice as common to be diagnosed with ADHD as girls in childhood, because boys tend to have the hyperactive component um, where they're impulsive, they're frigidity, they're blurting, they're all over the place. And girls are, are tend to be just more of the, what we call inattentive, where you know, they may be disorganized and not able to concentrate in class, uh, difficulty with focus or prioritizing, but they don't have that jumpy hyperactive you know, climbing the walls component, and that's why it gets missed. So that that makes sense. Um, also, just very common is a, a lot of times people say that, well, my son can't have ADHD because he, he you know, he, he can he can read a book for four hours straight and you can't interrupt them. But that's really hyper focus. Um, there, there's no ADHD. I think Russell Barkley said this. There's no ADHD on an Xbox. Um, so when you're when you're uh, doing something that's interesting to you. You have zero problem focusing. In fact, you can focus better than just about anyone else. And sometimes it can be a strength. As an adult at work, it can be a strength. But that's the most common. Nobody, you know, nobody thinks of it that way. But yes, ADHD people are—they don't have difficulty focusing. They have difficulty choosing what to focus on. So when it's something that's interesting, they're locked in. You can't interrupt them. There's no, um, there's no break. Also, in adulthood, when you get to adults. Um, a lot of that hyperactivity and impulsivity is either internalized and controlled, um, or it tends to wane so that you don't see that as much in adults, which is why adults tend to be much less uh, uh, diagnosed at a much lower rate. And as far as uh, what we'd like, what, what you'd like to hear from tonight's session, yeah, um, practical parenting for for ADHD children is clearly the winner. So we'll, I'll try to try to get to a lot of that. Um, but yeah, please ask easier questions. Okay, so yeah. I, I there's a few live ones or that I want. I want to get to the few the focused ones that I feel are important to us to start with, and then we'll get into it. And then we'll the live questions again. Text us, and we'll put you on. There's a few people ahead, and let's really get into it. And the first question that came in that I think is the marvelly. I don't know. You're 11 percent, four and a half percent. I'm going to say this is about 98 percent of people can relate to this question. My son, who's now 15 years old, he cannot sit in class, and his Rebbe doesn't let him take a break. He feels like he's in jail. He needs a break every few minutes, and simply suffering in school. He keeps on using the word, I am in jail. How do I go about this? How do I go about dealing with this? Go. Okay, well, awesome question. Um, so first of all, my heart goes out to him because I, I feel like there's nothing harder than being that kid in the classroom who's just not managing, you know, who's sitting there and, and at the edge of his seat and just, you need to get out and you can't. So um, is he ADHD? He may be. He, he may have a, a sensory processing disorder. There, there, are, there are different explanations for what might be going on here. Uh, but looking at it from the ADHD lens, jail would be a, a, a pretty good description for someone who, who, who is in a space where he has to actually just sit and listen. Um, that's going to be very, very difficult. Um, I'll start. I'll, I'll give just like a, a, couple of, a couple of practical strategies. Well, first of all, is, is knowledge and awareness. Um, if you're, if you're an educator, if you're a Rebbe or a teacher, 
for someone with a kid like this in the classroom, then, then it's awesome if you could uh, find the time to re read up on it, understand it, and <clears throat> develop an awareness. Because really what happens is that ADHD kid, it, it's almost a kid with ADHD, it's, it's like an old iPhone um, where you, you turn it on in the morning and then like 20 minutes later, it's dying. Right? And you're like, what? Hey, what? You know, like I didn't even make a phone call. I sent one text and, and my phone is dying. And the reality is that, that you know, you have a battery that just needs, um, needs to be charged a little bit more frequently. So yeah, if you have a Rebbe or a teacher who understands that and can help a kid um, gain some movement, that will help immensely. Um, frequent breaks, <coughs> more frequent breaks than, than typical are going to be useful. With younger kids, these are the kids that you send to the, you know, to the principal with the note. Um, any creative kind of idea that you can get to keep them keep them moving and get their motor going, because uh, often kids with the hyperactive impulsive component of ADHD uh, picture like having a motor inside of you, and that motor needs to be fed and it just never stops. So you're just you're just frustrated and it's difficult to just sit and listen and sit in one space. These are the kids; they'd be happier, honestly, walking around pacing the back of the classroom, and everybody would kind of laugh at them and it would look silly and ridiculous. But that's really what will help them. Um, there are some other tools that, that can help, you know, uh, unfortunately we lost usage when, when a few years back fidget spinners became, um, became really, really popular, at least in Lakewood, and then they were subsequently banned from all classrooms. But the origin of the fidget spinner was really to help kids who just need to keep their, their body in motion because it helps them be centered and helps them to concentrate. So if you have a kid in a classroom who's, who's, um, who's fidgeting or sometimes even doodling, um, we're playing with something that's a tool, not a toy, but it's just helping him keep his body in motion. He can focus better. There's something called bouncy bands. You can check it out on Amazon. I think they're about $20. That actually, it's like a, a rubberized band that attaches to the bottom of a chair uh, on the legs, about a, you know about half a foot up. You keep your feet on it, and you can wiggle and move in place while you're while you're in the room. So those are all just like basic strategies that can help a kid who's jumping out of his seat. Obviously, if we're um, if we're going for an evaluation and we think that there might be ADHD present, um, then there are other options to help them as well, such as you know uh, medicinal options, which are really the first line of intervention for treating ADHD. So that's uh, um, that's how I, I, would, I would address that question. But I would just say um, step one is 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 feel for this kid. You know, um, to be to be that kid in a classroom is 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 such a challenge, and he's trying. It's not that he's not trying, but if if the Rebbe or the teacher or the manal doesn't understand it and doesn't get that about him and doesn't really understand what's going on, then he's just going to get in trouble. And he's going to get in trouble for being chutzpahdik or for being out of a seat or for fidgeting or for doodling or for whatever it is when we could really help him because he is putting in the effort. It's just hard for him. Thank you. The question is, what, what should the Rebbe do? What should the manal do? Where, you know, and then other kids take advantage if they give one kid more than another. Amazing question. Thank you, Coach Menachem. Um, they should call Coach Menachem and find out what to do. Um, but if you're not available, uh, so, some strategies. It is difficult. It's very difficult because you're teaching a classroom of 30, 30 kids, right? Or if you're in Lakewood, it could be 35 kids. Um, so, so understanding the ADHD child is going to be the first step. And then the second step is going to be working with the kid, developing a collaborative system in a way that works. Um, very often we use uh, token economies or daily report cards, which are you know just little cards where 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 um, kids fill out and and it's positive. It makes them feel good when they feel good about themselves, when they feel like they're accomplishing and being productive, and when it's about 
um, when it's about their effort and not about the outcome, because the outcomes aren't always going to be good, um, then, then they do well, and then they keep going, and then they thrive. But uh, I once told this to a, um, to a room full of, of educators, and, and they started laughing at me, and they're like, we ain't filling out no daily report cards. You know, I'm teaching a class of 28 kids. You have to start filling out daily report cards. So sometimes you do need to <coughs> come up with ways to simplify it and, and make it work better. It might just be, uh, you know, a checker might be that the kid is filling out his own report card. Um, and, you know, the teacher has, uh, or, or a Rebbe could have cues, um, visual cues or, or secret codes or hidden messages or a way to walk over slowly and tap or whatever they make up in advance that will be helpful. But the, the, and sometimes you can ask the student and collaborate and say, hey, what's going to work for you in the classroom? Like, what's going to help you with this? Is, you know, is it going to be about where you're sitting? Um, very often, kids with ADHD will do way better when they have a seat that works for them. Sometimes it'll be the front of the classroom. Sometimes it'll be the back of the classroom. Every kid is different. In general, I would say that a Rebbe who's putting a kid in a seat that's um, near the front can be less distracting, surrounding good kids in the class. So he has, you know, he has less distractions um, and away from the windows, if possible, away from that noisy air conditioning system, you know, away from things that will be distracting and, and a neat, clean space with aisles usually can be helpful. But again, at the end of the day, you're right. You're teaching a classroom of, of 30 kids and we have to find ways to be able to help and modify the environment for this student. Because if you can do that, they'll do amazing. Be lights out, you know, like uh, it's a whole different kid if we can modify the environment. At the end of the day, it's not, about, it's not about IQ, it's not about their intellect, it's really about their ability to function in a classroom. So sometimes you have really bright kids who could do amazing. Those are the kids that, that get, you know, get, get the, the, the potential speeches, like, wow, your son he has such potential. <laughs> I remember um, when I was in elementary school, one of my Rebbeim wrote on my report card, he wrote um, the comment, was Uri Uri Shir which means wake up, wake up. I'm giving a I'm giving a class, and then you know the glory of God will be upon you. It's the only thing I remember from my report card in elementary school, which is a message in and of itself. But but when, when you have kids who are in the classroom who you, you can reach, who you can who you can reshape and motivate, the sky's the limit. They'll do amazing. Very good. So that's your question. question? Yes, here, here came another question pretty similar. Go ahead. My daughter is, com is a complete total mess. Her briefcase has 4,000 pages with last year's homework. She doesn't remember to do the homework, leaves her things all over the house. So the question is asking if she has ADHD, and if yes, how do I deal with it? Okay, so first of all, consider yourself it's a bracha that, um, that it's last year's homework and not last year's lunch. Because... <laughs> I've heard those stories and they're a lot worse. Um, when you get to Pesach and you're like, oh my goodness, what is that green looking thing that was last year's lunch? So yeah, but kids with, with ADHD are going to be the ones that have um, the, you know, a lot of difficulty with keeping their briefcase organized. You know, when there, there are endless sheets. I, I don't know, I have kids in elementary school, like it's amazing, it's great. We get worksheets every night and the worksheets just, they. They pile up and they pile up and they pile up and and you have six you know you have English, uh, and it just it never stops. So if you have a kid who that bothers, so yeah, they'll 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 prune the sheets and start cleaning out the briefcase. If if the kid's chilled about it or doesn't even notice it, they have a ten pound briefcase pretty soon. 
And, and by the way, that that you know that could be a clue. There are some things <laughs> that are diagnostic clues um, that would help help us say maybe ADHD is something we should look into for this kid. With adults, um, I, de I designed a, a pretty pretty neat diagnostic trick. Um, if you go into your shul, any shul in in the world, um, and go into the coat room and look at all the plastic raincoats, you know the shine coats, and if there's a name in it, that's the guy. Um, let's see, did you lose your raincoat? <laughs> but yeah, if a kid has a messy briefcase, uh, you know, it, it could be nothing. It could be a kid with a messy briefcase. E everything is on a spectrum and a continuum. Um, when it's ADHD is when we have someone who's not functioning. It's impairing his functioning to the point that he's struggling uh, in school and can't cope with the environment. If he can't cope with the environment, then um, that's where we want to start start taking a look and seeing, is this something that needs more help than, than just um, cleaning out his briefcase once every six months? Um, we have a bunch of questions now lined up for live. The question is, should the parents send in a poem? Should we uh, get to the poem or do you want to do some live questions? Go for it. What? Go for the poem. Okay, go for the poem. Somebody, a parent, I got a lot of emails, but this one was very particularly uh, a parent who has a bunch of kids that have ADHD, wrote a poem. For people to understand what she went through and i thought it was very very powerful so i'm going to try to read it to the best of my ability and we'll, we'll see what it says okay just four cute small letters adhd can can be that bad you say can it be dear reader please come here some things that are so vital i peek into the world of a child with this title we navigate these murky waters with mounting frustration why didn't she come with a book of instructions to know what to do in a situation a b or c just turn to page 1,103. We're lost in the thicket of, with towering trees, trying to find daylight and taste the fresh breeze. Teachers and principals, please understand. Instead of accusing us, please hold our hand. Please leave us feeling inferior and small. There's nothing has to do with us at all. You think she gives us a kiss on our head, saying, please don't behave, but be obnoxious instead? Don't you think we offer a heartfelt feel above? Please let our child perform well and loved. Please help her focus and concentrate. Instead of failure, please let her feel great. When you have to report a day that was truly a nightmare, try to soften the blow. It hurts us to hear. Please speak gently with understanding and compassion. It's hard to be spoken into in a cold, non-nonsense fashion. Take those unspoken words of look at what your child did. Where did you go wrong in raising your kid? Replace them with words like, this is a challenge, it's true. How can our staff help both your child and you? It kills us to have to pick up a child midday with a blaze with the busha, is all we can say. We never ask for this functional child who can't concentrate in class and runs around wild, who returns home from school and begins, and begins the homework nightmare with screaming, crying, refusal, and no care. Hashem entrusted this precious neshama as our responsibility. And it wasn't a mistake. There's a cheshbon. It's meant to be. And just as we keep trying, we can never lose stream. We implore upon you, our school, please join our team. We cry as we take these innocent children and ram more and more meds into the delicate system. We cry as we watch them struggle to stay afloat, like a drowning victim trying to grab a lifeboat. Oh, dear parents, love the famous line, homework should only take 10 minutes of time. Dear teachers, I invite you to come take a look. It takes over 10 minutes just to take out the book. Then, through dreaming half the time and distracting the rest, no, my daughter is not prepared for tomorrow's test. Dear staff, children, come in all styles, don't you hear? 
please stop trying to fit my circle into a square. Psychologist, psychiatrist, my tongue's getting all twisted. We've tried every professional ever listed. We paid to the heavens in therapy, putting on hold any extras, even necessities. We, we parents keep saying we must get away, but who will watch my little, my little miss ADHD all day? And we will certainly can't tell anyone that she's taking a pill, why we have so many more children to still marry off still. So we suffer in silence while wanting to scream. Please understand we are fragile human beings who are vaguely trying to raise this precious neshamas into, the, into future gedolim and nashim sukanias. But at the same time, we thank you through our tears. Some of the teachers are skilled beyond your years. You have the chachma and patience to deal with the little one, helping her learn, even make it fun. And the time is and when the time speaking to the children exceeds the time spent with our spouse, we know what what you teachers are all about. So dedicated, so devoted, so caring through and through. You deserve a medal for all that you do. May you never know of these issues in your family. May your road of nachas be smooth and easy. And we, the parents who put in countless hours, Bezos Hashem, we will watch our children blossom like flowers. It will all be worth all that we went through to get them there, and then it will only be nachas to share. The, that bracha should come to fruition in each and every way with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our day. Wow. Wow. Powerful poem. Um, we have a lot, a lot of questions. I got to just like dissect that for a minute. Thank you for um, reading. I, I would say that whoever wrote that poem, um, yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I, I love the strength perspective because um, there's so much amazingness about ADHD. You know, we, we talk about ADHD awesomeness. Kids with ADHD, adults with ADHD tend to be out of the box, creative, artistic, uh, often they're empathic, they're sensitive, they're problem solvers. They can figure things out in ways that nobody could. They have endless energy. So many, so many of our leaders, so many people in, in, you know, who, are, who are running things um, are ADHD. So many of the people who are running multiple things at the same time. Um, they could be charming, funny, great sense of humor. There's so much positive that it's almost like when you can, when you can reach in and access the positive, then, then the flower comes out, and then you have someone who's who's just uh, an incredible person, and and because they are, so you know, keeping that keeping that focus is is critical. So thank you for that poem. I would say um, send it into Mishpacha. I, I read uh, actually I, I read this week that the editor listens to Coach Menachem every week, so you might be able oh. to get it through. Yes. Um, that's one of And Menachem will email because a lot of people are asking for it. They said we should send it out to all the teachers and principals. We're going to send it out to them. We're going to put it on the front desk and we'll email out to Coach Menachem. You can all do that with your teachers. We're going to change the world. That's that. That's, that's why we're here tonight. Tonight together, we're going to do it. Okay, Absolutely. let's go. Is the person on? Yeah. Okay, yeah. you're on. First live question. How are you? Hi. Hi. Um, so my question is, if ADHD is always um, nature, could it be from nurture? Um, the reason why I'm asking is because I, I was never diagnosed, but I think I may have um, ADHD. Um, the way I was raised, grew up, was... Um, with neglect, there was no function, no um, um, structure. And I think that I just had to just like take the moment by moment. I didn't know what was next. So my wiring became like all over the place. So my question is, you know, if like, basically if, if it could be because of what I, I went through. Okay, so sorry to hear, and it's a great question. Um, it's a great question. The, the answer is maybe. Um, there are a number of, of disorders that could mimic ADHD, um, brain injury, trauma. There are, there are different things that might, might give you the, um, some of the symptoms of ADHD without actually being ADHD. 
um, for example, a sleep disorder could mimic ADHD because uh, we'll talk about it soon, but so much of ADHD is about our executive function system. And um, when our executive function system is not working well, then all those symptoms pop up. And um, someone with a sleep disorder or someone with a, with, with a traumatic episode or something like that could be. But um, in, in general, ADHD itself is a biological disease, meaning the latest research tells us that it's, it's neurological, it's in the brain, it's a brain-based um, it's a brain-based disorder. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of discussion about can poor parenting cause ADHD, um, and the answer is that it really can't. Poor parenting can't cause ADHD um, because it's the you know when they did they've done studies recently of uh, where they did scans of children with ADHD and without ADHD, and when they took a look at the prefrontal cortex, which is the front of the brain area, the frontal lobes, which governs executive function. It's like the CEO of your brain where everything is happening. You know, we're, we're just controlling everything. That's kind of where, um, where what you plan to do, that's how it gets done. Um, kids with ADHD, they had uh, um, the, the thickness in the prefrontal cortex and the brain matter was delayed by about three years. And we know that kids with ADHD tend to be uh, emotionally delayed by three to five years. So um, you could have, a, you know, with children, you can have a kid who looks like he's 12 or, and, and talks like he's 12 and intellectually is 12, but emotionally is acting like a, a seven to nine year old. Uh, so to answer your question, uh, you know, I, I think we need a, a really good and proper evaluation to address it and, and understand it better, but certainly a possibility. Generally, ADHD in adults was present in childhood. Now, the fact that it was present in childhood doesn't mean it was noticed in childhood. Um, particularly when it comes to girls and women, often that we mentioned earlier, they have the inattentive component um, and it doesn't get noticed. But then what happens is, so if you're an 18, 19 year old girl in seminary and your room is a wreck, you're that kid in the room whose laundry is all over the place, you know, it's, it maybe smells a little, poor hygiene, et cetera, you can get through. But then when you get married and start raising a family, all of a sudden everything starts coming out. And then it's like, okay, maybe this is something more than just um, scattered and, and, and chaotic. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. I wish you that. You're bringing up no, very important. There's more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, because I, I do have also a child with brain injury and I, it's, it's, it's good to hear, but um, it's, it's also something I was worried that if I end up having that wiring in my passing it on to my kids, but I guess a child that doesn't have ADHD probably didn't tolerate what as as well my childhood. I mean, my sibling, but maybe because I may have ADHD, I was able to like be okay with it, kind of because I was anyway all over. So right. I don't know. Okay, and I, I, just to, just a springboard off of that, um, from 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 the perspective of being a parent of a child with ADHD, I think it's important if your kids have ADHD, the most that you've done is pass on the genes. Um, and don't blame yourself for that. It's just that, you know, you probably passed on a lot of good genes also. Um, my kids say that I passed on all the bad genes and none of the good genes, but, but I did. You know, there's a lot, a lot of good genes going around. And, and, and um, there is something about nature via nurture. So um, when, when you have the biological wiring or a genetic predisposition for ADHD, and then you're in an environment that, that brings it out more, so then you may see a, a more se severe and significant case. Mm.
Um, I do want to jump in, David. Sure. You're bringing up a very good topic, a very good concept, that it could be, it looks like ADHD, and that's why you should go for evaluation. Right. Because it could be sometimes there's something stress or trauma, whatever it is. And trauma. Mm-hmm. Something that I have I've seen before, which I you know I wasn't sure if I should bring it up because I might get flack, especially with a doctor on. Uh, we had two weeks, uh, three weeks ago about Dr. Sarno, and it's interesting that there are people again. If it's real ADHD, I don't know, but if it's symptom-like and it could be something suppressed or whatever emotions, it could bring up some uh, symptoms, the the same symptoms, yeah. and definitely important to to know if it's. You're saying if it's a chemi- chemical or not. Absolutely. That's what I was asking because I was asking because maybe it's out of like, you know, the survival, fight, flight, or freeze. So like maybe it's a reaction of being in survival mode. That's why I was like. There's a possibility. And, and also very often <laughs> ADHD is co-occurring with other things. So, you know, if, if people with ADHD are have a 30% chance of having anxiety at the same time. So, uh, like a thorough evaluation and diagnosis is important, and a, a, a proper evaluation is going to look at your your entire life. It's like understanding how you function in different settings. Um, when you're a child, a, a proper diagnosis is going to get a report from the Rebbe, report from the English teacher, a report from the parents. If the kid is old enough, a report, a self-report from the child, um, and we're going to look at all these things together. And try to get to to get to the clear picture of is this ADHD or not, and to just rush into it without that would be a mistake because you may be missing something. You may you may be missing a learning disability. You may be missing a you know a sensory processing processing disorder. There are other things that could that could mimic ADHD, and it's important to get it right. Um, okay, thank you. Okay, David, let's go. Next live question, you're on. All right. Um, first of all, I want I want. Um, I believe there's more than 19% of the participants who are ADHD on patients because I answered the question too on behalf of my wife. She's sitting next to me. She wanted me to answer it as a spouse. Okay. So currently I'm taking daily ADHD meds, just to, just a function. Um, if the days I don't, um, I agree that ADHD people have a lot of energy, but I'm married, I have kids. Um, but the days that I don't take my meds, I get so overwhelmed with my responsibilities that I just feel like staying in bed. So yeah, but when I take my meds, I'm, I, yeah, I'm fully, I'm fully there. I'm, I'm fully operational. And the, but the problem is, um, okay, first of all, just one more thing I want to add. Um, it might clarify the previous question. Um, growing up, I never had Zitzfleisch and Yeshiva, but um, I had a traumatic brain injury, but I never had ADG meds. I did suffer traumatic brain injury in 2013. And since then, um, I went back to grad school. I'm currently still in grad school, but um, I just couldn't continue studying without the meds. My question is, um, the meds do have side effects. Technically, they are Adderall, Vivant, they are amphetamines, and they have side effects. The question is, do, am I doomed? Will I have to stay on for the rest of my life on these meds? Or is there hope for me without the meds? I just want to jump in before David jumps in. I just want to say we got literally five or six emails, literally exactly the same question. <clears throat> okay. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. It's a great question. Um, so let me talk about, I'll talk a little bit about a medication and I'll just talk about um, the relationship of a spouse with a husband with ADHD. Uh, let's start there. Uh, what, I, what I find most common is 
the critical importance of education when it comes to a, a couple or a marriage with ADHD, because the classic pattern is you'll have the ADHD spouse who's constantly forgetting things, constantly missing appointments, constantly not doing the things they're supposed to do. Um, these are the people who are who their socks are all over the floor, uh, and, and and the toothpaste is, is the cap's never on. Uh, by the way, they they make caps that stay on, but the cap's never on, and it's squeezing out all over the. You know, they're, they're just they're 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 difficult. They're frustrating, and often the spouse, if they don't have that understanding of ADHD, the reaction is more is like, well, try harder because if you try harder you'll do it. And if I was that important to you, then of course you would get this done. Um, and the ADHD spouse has a, has a lot of trouble with that because he or she is trying really hard. He or she gets it. They know what to do. They're not, just not doing what they know because ADHD is a point of performance issue. The problem is that at the point of performance, they can't get it done. <clears throat> so what happens is the spouse doesn't get it. And they feel that my, you know, my husband or my wife doesn't care about me. Because if they cared about me, they'd perform better, right? They wouldn't forget to pick up the heavy creamer. They wouldn't come home two hours later when they said they're on the way home. They just wouldn't. But the spouse is missing that basic understanding of, of the ADHD brain and doesn't realize that her husband or his wife is, is trying and just not getting there. So when you have that first step, oh, and then, then what happens to the, the ADHD, the spouse with ADHD, is that they start to internalize all the negativity and they start to feel like, you know what? He's right. She's right. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not really, I must not care so much. Um, what does that mean about me? So am I a bad person? And then they get defensive. <laughs> and as soon as they get defensive, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's all out war because you don't care about me, uh, obviously. So there's, there's, there's that push, push away. There's that tension, you know, friction in the relationship. But when you can when you can start with the education of understanding the ADHD brain, it makes a world of a difference in the relationship. But I would just add a caveat that even with even with that understanding, you if you don't have ADHD, you'll never really fully get it. So as long as you're aware of that, it's okay. Because even if you start to understand it and you start to believe it, and it's so hard to to make that mental shift to he's really he really does care and he's really trying, he just can't. Um, or, or it's not just that he can try harder, it's that he wants to, he just can't. When you can make that mental shift, it will work, it will be effective, but there's always gonna be snapback times when, you, when, when something goes wrong that's pretty major and you're like, but this time he really should have done it. So th that, that's important. When it comes to the medication, so uh, I hate the word doomed. Um, I, I, I don't think you're, you're, you're doomed. Uh, the, when it comes to ADHD medications, uh, the good news is that they're really safe. Uh, we've been using them for, for 70 years, uh, going all the way back for, for blood pressure, et cetera, and they're, they're safe, effective medications. Um, some of the side effects are, one, one is the appetite suppressants, which some people kind of like. They're like, hey, you know, um, great, great way to lose weight. Um, but it does suppress your appetite. So that's something that you need to work with, you know, either eating before or after getting high protein snacks, you know, just helping yourself to eat because you do need the food to power your, your, your body and to give you energy. Um, and the second one is that they, they, they're stimulating, um, they're stimulating uh, neurotransmitters in your brain to allow more dopamine, which is a chemical that helps 
your executive function system, which Ushi Parna says mine is going to be very high while I'm doing this uh, presentation. Thank you. Um, but but the medications, so that they, they might keep you up at night. That said, there are many different classes of, of medication and uh, finding the right dose is uh, finding the right class and the right dose is really the game. Meaning if you can get to a a working dose that's that's the right level and it's the right type of medicine for you and that takes some time and work and effort and close following. Um, if you can do that, then you should have something that will have minimal to no side effects. Um, as far as just in general, what happens with adults with ADHD, many adults with ADHD don't end up in treatment. And some of them, many of them don't even need treatment because they figured out how to manage their life. They've hacked their life, so to speak. It's not that they, they, they conquered it. You can't really, you, you, you can live with ADHD. You can make it work. <clears throat> you, can, you can even use it to your advantage in a working environment. There are so many things that you can do with ADHD that make you awesome, that give you, you know, more abilities than anyone else. Um, but they might not even need treatment. Only 10% of adults with ADHD actually get treatment, which is um, a critically low number because a lot more need it. Um, but when you get to adulthood, often throughout adulthood, symptoms wax and wane. So some symptoms will come and go. And a lot of it depends on where your life is up to and the, the stressors in your life. Are, are things crazy now? You're in you're in a, a busy work season. And, and so I, I think over time, you'll feel that out and you'll get a sense. But definitely, whenever a medication is giving you a strong side effect, I would explore it with a competent psychiatrist who's, who's really good at working with ADHD and see if, see if there's something to do. That was murdered. Okay, here we go. We have like, yeah, we have a psych amount of live questions. I'm sorry, I have to have a specific time, otherwise it's gonna be an all-nighter. You're on, next live one. Okay, so first of all, with my ADHD, I had to like, I wasn't concentrating <laughs> for the past while. I, I wasn't either, don't sure. worry. <laughs> I had totally to make normal. sure I'm not gonna miss my turn. Okay, um, I have two questions. What, the first was a bit more technical. Um, I have so much anxiety and my ADHD is so bad. My question was like, what's the correlation? Is my anxiety making my ADHD worse? Is my ADHD making my anxiety worse? How to deal with that practically with medication throughout my day? Is it psychological? Is it neurological? Like, what's up? Awesome question. Um, okay, so if I understand you correctly, what you're asking is, What's the correlation between ADHD and anxiety? So I mentioned earlier that that um, really 30% of uh, individuals with ADHD will have a co-occurring anxiety issue. Um, so the, the gold standard treatments for uh, anxiety uh, currently uh, would be, there, there are medications obviously that can be helpful for anxiety and something you should discuss with your prescriber to make sure that you're getting the right balance and the right dosage and to make sure that the ADHD medication isn't making you anxious because sometimes if you take too much of it, you can get increased anxiety. So you always wanna make sure you have the right dose um, and, and you need a competent prescriber who's, who's really experienced in working with ADHD to, to make sure you're getting that right and it needs close, close and careful follow-up. Um, and then uh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is very effective uh, for treating anxiety. So that's something you might wanna explore. Um, and, and getting the medication right. So between, between all that, I wish you the best of luck. Um, hope that answers your question. Let's go, next live question, you're on. Okay, hello, first of all, I wanted to say thank you. This is extremely informative and very helpful. Um, 
Um, I wanted to ask specifically about my 10-year-old son who has a lot of inattentiveness, um, difficulty paying attention specifically in the classroom and also at home. Um, he doesn't have a formal diagnosis of ADHD, but his Rebbe teacher suggested a biofeedback program, specifically something called Play Attention. And okay. I wanted to ask you your opinion about biofeedback as a tool to address the, his inattentiveness and his difficulty. It is a very expensive tool. Um, it's nearly $2,000 to do a home usage. And so I'm really wanting to try to research it prior to right. implementing it. So I, I actually get, um, I get their emails and they send fascinating emails and they have amazing mm -hmm. webinars that I've been resisting um, for probably about a year now <laughs> because, <laughs> um, because I'll get lost in it. But um, there, there are a number of, well, let's put it this way. The, if you go by all the research we have now, um, the first line intervention for ADHD really is medication. Um, that's what it, you know, it, it addresses it the fastest and in the best possible way. Co combining that with behavioral therapy, which means um, helping with environmental modification, um, working with the school, working with parents on ADHD-focused parenting, et cetera, you know, providing rewards, incentives, um, token economies, all of that is, is also going to be uh, extremely helpful. So if you go by the research, uh, the combination of um, therapy, uh, behavioral type therapy with medication is going to be give you the best result. Um, as far as biofeedback, there, there are many things out there that are promising uh, ADHD treatments. <clears throat> There's neurofeedback, um, which, is, which is a promising treatment. There are many different things. However, uh, I don't think the research is there yet saying conclusively that we've seen that it, it makes effective change, uh, which is uh, su sustained in the brain. So uh, if it were me, as just my, my personal opinion, I, I would go the other route first uh, and, and maybe explore that second. There are a lot of things you can do in the classroom, and, and perhaps you can work with the Rebbe on classroom modification to help him in class. Um, I'll, I'll start with the big three. Big three it would be um, sleep, mm -hmm. diet, and exercise. Or let me go in a different order. Sleep, exercise, and diet. So mm -hmm. uh, sleep is, is critical uh, because so many of our executive functions are, are guided by, by sleep. Um, diet is, is you know, not eating a lot of, uh, eating healthy that way mm -hmm. um, is going to be helpful. And exercise is, is, is critical. I, I mentioned earlier that kids with ADHD, if they have a hyperactive component, um, they have a motor that's driving them. So getting, getting breaks, getting exercise, um, getting a chance to move around is always going to be helpful. Um, with with <laughs> an attentive type that you're describing, there are also other classroom modifications that you can make. Um, preferred seating is helpful. Color coding things, if you color code the, uh, their, their, their dividers, you know, all their notes, et cetera. If the Rebbe can make things as fun and exciting and as teaching as, as, as possible, um, you know, with visuals, with cues, with, you know, if he, if he can walk over to him and just tap him here and there, things like that. Um, fidgets are helpful, bendy bands, uh, token economy cards that, that could help keep him engaged in the lesson and help him to feel good about being productive in the classroom can make a huge difference. So there are a lot of things like that that you can do um, to, to help. But definitely if, if, you're, if, you're thinking, um, if you're thinking that I might have ADHD, then uh, getting a proper evaluation would be in order.
Let's go. Next live question. You're on. Okay. Hi. Hi. First of all, I know we're not supposed to be talking about Yachad, but we definitely need the newsletter this summer. It's just the highlight of our Shabbos table. Thank so you. we're hoping we can still get that. Um, I really don't think that any of the scenarios you described were science fiction. I, you know, Baruch Hashem, I live in Lakewood. I've got a big family, Kanai Nahara, and I forget things all the time. And I always used to think that people live like this, like you forget your keys, you're not really sure, you have to pull the pants out of the laundry for your kids, wake up late, not, you know, like all of that kind of, and then somebody one time told me like, well, of we were discussing executive function. And she's like, well, of course you have executive function because you're like ADHD. And I'm like looking at her, like I am like over 30 and I never thought that I have ADHD. So like, first of all, how do you really kind of like wean out what's an executive function versus ADHD. Um, in truth, I always thought of myself as spontaneous, creative, super fun, huge camp person, like beyond creative, can think of things on the spur of the moment. My house is always rocking. There's music. We dance. It's so much fun. But it's really challenging for me when my husband's like, where's the keys? And I'm like, I have no clue. And then we find them in the freezer for real. So like, I, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure people can identify, but I'm also sure people are like, what? But that's truly my life. Like, I actually keep my spare pair of glasses in my van because the amount of times that I don't know where my glasses are and then I can't drive just led me to say, listen, we need to keep, we need to be functional. So my glasses are in the van, second pair. They're broken because I sat on them, but that's okay. Um, so but, but like, it's so much fun, but at the same time, I do recognize that I live in a house, Pesach is in like, you know, three months. It's hard for me. I put in so much effort to be organized, to write a shopping list. I hate it. My husband and is then, my and savior. And you probably I, lose the shopping list, right? Oh, I, when my husband asks me for a shopping list, I, I, I turn white every week, every week. Yeah. And yeah. my husband and my cleaning lady, very, they're very, very fond people in my life, both. Right. One, maybe a little bit more than the other. <laughs> Depends on the day. Just, you know, but um, I really would love to hear tips on instead of like being like, well, you're so disorganized and you're dysfunctional. Like, I'm a great person. I'm a wonderful person. But how can I make my life organized? Give me some tips, some techniques, um, how to make my life organized without completely changing my personality. Okay, so definitely don't change your personality. Uh, we do have a girls camp, it's not a job. Um, <laughs> you can be attached later. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned, I think losing keys is probably the number one, uh, number one recognized issue for uh, adults with ADHD. Uh, I can share a funny, but like a little embarrassing story. Um, oh, I, like I, everything I said was not embarrassing. Right. <laughs> Right, except your BE. <laughs> so I, I actually, if you, I lost my keys once in the Amamelech. And um, the Amamelech, by the way, is the example of, of uh, you know, that the Gemara gives of a place where if you want something to be lost forever, you throw it into the Amamelech, right? So uh, I, I just left my keys in my bathing suit and I went into the Amamelech and like there went my keys. And I came out and, you know, I, I was with my wife and we're thinking like, uh, first, like I, I, I felt my bathing suit pocket and there's there's no keys. And I had this momentary feeling of extreme panic. And I'm like, oh no, because I was, you know, my, my brain was working really fast. And I'm thinking, 
Um, so, okay, this is a rental car. We're in the MML, which is like an hour and a half away from anything. Um, so someone's going to have to go to the airport, to Ben Gurion. Hopefully they have another set of keys. Bring the keys down to the Yamamala. It was a disaster. So I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going into the Yamamala. I'm going to find it. I, was at, I guess before I learned the Gemara. Um, and I searched for about 15 minutes and <laughs> nothing doing. Like trying to find the keys in the Yamamala, right? And then, um, I don't know, I said a tefillah. I just said, you know, Hashem, if like, if I don't find my keys, like this is, my family is going to make fun of me for the rest of my life. And I just need, I need my keys. And I, I look down and I see something black and I reach down and I pulled out my keys. I was like, I don't know, 30 feet off the shore. So yeah, but, but losing keys is, is classic. And, and that's because um, one of the, the executive functions is working memory. So uh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of, about working memory. And I think that <coughs> that will help. Um, so if you picture like a big whiteboard, uh, like you'd have in a classroom, um, and that and and start writing on the whiteboard like all the tasks that you have to do, all the things that you want to remember, like you know all your list, all everything. Um, but then eventually, at some point, the whiteboard fills up. When the whiteboard fills up, and you want more things to come in, you have to start erasing. It's like an you know an etch a sketch for anyone old enough to remember what that is. So you have to start erasing, and you lose things from the light whiteboard. Now imagine if instead of having a big whiteboard, you had like a post-it note size whiteboard. So the whiteboard is your working memory, meaning when, when things come into your, into your brain and things you need to remember, they, they go on that whiteboard. And when something else comes in, it gets lost. So if you remember the story we started off with, with Shia, she's on the phone with his wife. He gets a click from his boss, right? So he's talking to his wife. He's writing things on, his, on the whiteboard, you know, talking to wife. Um, and then he, he clicks off to his boss and completely forgets that she exists. And it's not because he doesn't care, and it's not because he's not, you know, well, he's not thinking about her, but it's because his whiteboard isn't big enough to hold boss and wife at the same time. So then he, you know, 15 minutes later, he's picking back up that click, you know, he's not even picking up, he's hanging up, and there she is, fuming because, hey, you know, did you forget about me and leave me on hold for 15 minutes? The answer is really, yeah, kind of, he did. Um, <clears throat> so that, that's what happens. Um, as far as tips, so there's 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 so much. Uh, um, Apple AirTags are great for keys. Um, for men, they, they say if you put your keys in your you know uh, um, with your tefillin, you never forget your tefillin uh, in shul. I don't know if that would help for the raincoats, <clears throat> but one 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 tip for for people out there is is just don't write your home number in the raincoat um, because then when they call, it's like, he forgot his ring code and jewel again. You put, put like a cell phone number, a fake number and just get a new ring code. But, um, but ear tags work, uh, tile, tile works for keys, um, <clears throat> things like that. There are all sorts of apps that, that can help you manage your life. Um, I, if what I find with, with ADC is that, um, you'll find this new system or the new program and it'll be really exciting. And you'll try it out and like, you'll be all into it. And then like a week and a half later, it'll be gone. Um, that's because people at ADHD have the easiest time. We, we talked about earlier, focusing or hyper-focusing on things that are interesting to them. They can do anything in the world if they can engage with it. So the problem isn't, uh, isn't um, attention. Uh, it's choosing what to pay attention to. And they can't choose to pay attention to things that are boring. So the most interesting thing, the most shiny object in the room is gonna grab your attention. You know, so so you you may find a new app that could be helpful, but then you have to maintain it. 
um, people find that that making things as visual as possible, putting charts up on the wall or things like that are, are, are very helpful. Um, I know I, I once had a conversation with an author um, who wrote a book on ADHD and I, I had an opportunity to talk to her. On, she's, she's not ADHD herself, but her husband is. And she told me the following story. She said that her husband teaches in, uh, in Stanford. They live in Palo Alto and great place. And you know, he, he's just, he's a risky driver. He just kept getting pulled over and getting tickets um, for driving. And she, she, would, she would harass him about it and just say, you know, you're gonna lose your license. This is not gonna work, this is crazy. You know, like you're gonna, you're gonna end up having to take Ubers and nothing worked. He, he just kept driving recklessly. Um, and it made sense because ADHD is not a problem of knowing what to do, it's doing what you know. So it's a point of performance issue. In the moment, he couldn't control himself. So what she ended up doing was she, she printed out a picture, she took a picture of him and she Photoshopped it to have him like inside a jail cell. And she put it, she taped it to the steering wheel. <clears throat> and she said when she did that, he never, he, never he, he never drove recklessly again because he had that visual prompt that reminded him. So when you can externalize your executive function system, meaning instead of trying to rely on yourself internally and rely on your brain to remember things, rely on your willpower to, you know, to do things and get things done, if you can find a way to externalize it, then that's, that's really most helpful. Sometimes uh, a spouse can be very helpful um, if the spouse has a stronger executive function system, but you have to be careful that the help is wanted and not um, offered. You know, so if you're a spouse who doesn't have ADHD, married to a spouse who does have ADHD, you just want to be careful to be helpful when your spouse wants you to be helpful and not to be constantly uh, running his or her life or if they don't want it because then they'll feel small and resentful and, and not okay. So uh, I guess that's a starting point for some tips. Um, just to answer your original question, um, Russell Barkley, who's like the, I guess you call him the king of ADHD, um, he, he sometimes considers it a disorder of the executive function system. Um, so it, it, it does make a lot of sense that you'd have trouble with executive function if you had ADHD. I'm not saying, you know, not to be diagnostic here at all, but that, that does make sense because uh, what is the executive function system? It's about um, being able to control yourself, to, to stop yourself, um, uh, emotional control, uh, being able to regulate your emotion to keep yourself calm and not to be like reactive and, and et cetera. Working memory, we talked about being self-aware, understanding what's going on in the moment, being a flexible thinker, being organized and 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 planning and time management, which is which is um, a huge struggle for people with ADHD, is keeping track of time and understanding time. Um, so I hope that was helpful, and I'll I'll get to work on the newsletter. Yes. That was amazing. That was really good. Very good. Okay, so many more live questions. Let's go. You're on live. Hi. Um, I wanted to know how do you know if a kid is just being a kid, like a young kid, a seven year old, or if it's something more serious like ADHD? And is there any merit in getting an official diagnosis, both for a child or adult with ADHD? Great question. Um, boys will be boys. So how can you tell if the boy is just being it's a actually, boy? It's actually yeah. a girl. girls. Uh, will girls be girls? I don't even know. I, I assume so. <laughs> if boys will be boys, then girls will be girls. Um, how can you tell? Uh, so, so what are some of the symptoms that you would think may indicate that she might be? Messy briefcase, uh, forgetting homework, leaving stuff all over the place. Um, also genetics, it runs in the family. 
Okay. Yeah. So yeah, if, 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 if one or if one or both spouses are ADHD, then you could expect up to 50% of your children to be ADHD. So definitely there's a strong genetical component. And if you have a child who's ADHD, then you, you could expect um, there's a 30% chance that that there, that one of the parents, one or both of the parents will be ADHD. Uh, and that's important. You know, we, we mentioned earlier that uh, adults uh, are, are very underdiagnosed. You know, only only about 10% are actually <coughs> are actually in treatment. Um, there's a, uh, a psychiatrist out in Denver who his name is Dr. Bill Dodson, who told me that in his practice, he, he he's a you know, he's one of the leaders in the field of, of psychiatry for ADHD. Um, and he told me that in his practice, he's a 90% of the adults who come in for treatment, who come in for an evaluation, actually, a psychiatric, uh, an evaluation to see if they have ADHD, are coming for the following reason. One of their kids, or, both, or, or more, more than one of their kids, was diagnosed with ADHD and put on medication. And then one fine day, um, they thought to themselves, hey, I wonder what would happen if I took one of these, uh, these pills. And they tried out one of the pills. And for many, it was just like, wow, like they, they felt like something that they had never felt before in their lives. They just felt the ability to focus, to, to, to maintain attention, to in, inhibit um, action, things that, that just like were so far into them that they struggled with their whole life. And, and then they said, hey, maybe this is me. And then they came in. Um, so definitely there is a genetic component. Uh, the question, I like just the question as to, uh, by the way, that's ninety percent, which is pretty wild. Question as to getting should 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 we all like hang up from <coughs> Coach Menachem and run to get our kids an ADHD evaluation? Uh, the answer is yeah. No, I'm just kidding. The answer is that that um, it depends on their their functioning. If their functioning is is really being impaired and and they're not they're struggling in school, I would consult with the teachers, consult with the rebbeim. Um, and and see if it's if <laughs> see what they're experiencing. Say, hey, you know what's what's going on in the classroom? Is is she paying attention? Is she focused? Does she know what's flying? You know, how's she doing on her schoolwork? And and then, um, armed with all that data and information, I I, I consider going for an evaluation. Um, but I, yeah, if it's not if we're not a at a level that her functioning is being impaired and she's just uh, you know a happy go lucky kid who's a little scattered and a little messy, that's normal. You know. Uh, Many of us are. We live in a in a generation that that makes us all feel like we're we're ADHD. We're we're we're. Oh, all, I just, want, I just yeah. want to recap this a little bit. So whether it's a kid or whether it's an adult, like the woman was on before, like woman that has eight kids or ten kids and running and forgets keys, like what does it do to ADHD? It's just a lot on their mind. How many things could we remember? Yeah. Or a kid that leaves their backpack or forgets homework. I mean, every kid has. And then every kid has yeah. it. Every adult. No. So what's the I guess in really short, what's the fine line when it's something that it should be? Is it executive function? Is you feel like it's so? so I, I would say when when your life is becoming unmanageable, when it's impairing your functioning to the to the point where you're not functioning, yeah, then I then then I'd look at it. Where you, you know when you're not making it through the day, where you're feeling so overwhelmed that uh, that you you can't function. Your your house isn't functioning. Your kids aren't functioning. Kids not functioning in school. Then then we want to understand and and get a sense of what's going on here and why. Um, Listen, I think one of the, the, the greatest Bali Musser of our generation, um, which would be A.B. Rottenberg, of course, uh, he, I'm, I'm only barely joking. I think if you if you read through every, you know, pay attention to his songs, there's a lot of Musser in them. But he said, when it comes to Pesach, um, he said it really well. He said, my heart is shaking and my brain feels numb, right? 
So that that's really the description of, of, of what it's like, you know, if you're if you're feeling anxious about Pesach um, and and you're feeling overwhelmed, <laughs> your brain is feeling numb. Um, th that would be normal, you know. I, I think that's normal. I, I, I had the I had the opportunity, and privilege to write an article on Mishpacha a few a few weeks ago, a few months ago about uh, adult ADHD, and um, I, I, I took some some good fire from from it from from people who wrote. And they were, and rightfully so, they said, you know, um, from society and a large from family uh, is overwhelming. Like just the amount of things that a mother has to get done is overwhelming. Are you saying that we're all ADHD and like uh, we should all, you know, run for evaluations and get medication? So first of all, um, uh, it'd be hard to find uh, um, someone to evaluate you. But but even if you could, um, no, that, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're feeling overwhelmed, pace off time, I think that, that that's perfectly normal. Um, in fact, you should be. If you're not, I'd wonder why not. Um, and we <laughs> want to look at that. But when it gets to the point where your functioning is impaired, you're not functioning, or, or that, then then I'd say go for evaluation. Same thing with a child. So there you yeah, have it. Way, it seems okay. overwhelming for a large family in the, the camp situation. But yeah, I totally hear it. I thought um, we're not discussing camp. What happened? I just like, we're just stacking it in a little bit. That's all. OK, next live question. Let's go. Hi, um, thank you for taking my question. Um, so my question is basically, what kind of therapy do you recommend for somebody, I'm an adult with ADHD. Um, I just, I mean, I've tried different therapists and they have a hard time understanding, like I have such a hard time doing therapy work, like doing it and keeping it up and like, and they're just like, hey, you're lazy, you know? And I don't know, I feel like maybe, and I feel like coaches are just all like, I don't know, like, do you have any recommendations of like Except certain methods of therapy? or certain types of therapists that would be like more understanding or understand how to work with someone who has ADHD? Okay, great question. I'm sorry you had that experience. And I would say with the exception of Coach Menachem, I know. It's um, also for are... depression, that's also why. So like, it's whatever. I'm sorry? It's like therapies for depression, but the ADHD is getting very in the way. Right. Yeah, basically. Um, thank you, sorry. <laughs> okay, awesome. So yeah. Um, so depression does does go along with ADHD. There's also a, a strong linkage and, and co-occurrence of depression. I think it's also, if I'm not mistaken, about 30%. Um, so, and that's important diagnostically that it's not enough to just um, <coughs> to just see a kid or an adult and say, well, this is obvious he's ADHD. But if he's ADHD, it would be important to to get a view of the, the you know everything that's going on, so you can make sure you're not missing missing anything else. You know, along the way, um, uh, I, I would start with you know I would start with looking for a therapist who's ADHD aware, um, uh, and definitely has that skill set because definitely um, you're not lazy. I mean, that, uh, <coughs> what you're experiencing would be uh, exactly normal for for someone for someone with ADHD, and it, it, it's a point of performance issue. It doesn't mean that you're not trying and you don't want to, and you don't want this to get better. Of course you do. You're trying anything you can in any way you can to help yourself get better, and you know, Emirates Hashem, you will. But um, finding the right therapist is really a shidduch. Um, Relief does a, a phenomenal job of matching people with therapists, and and I, I would definitely explore that. And also. Um, if you're not having a good experience in therapy, I, I would definitely say to bring it up with your therapist and 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 be straight about it and be genuine because um, any good therapist should be able to discuss it with you and work through it and say, hey, either 
either I can help you and this is why I'm not helping you or maybe it's not for me and let's figure out what's going to be the best way to help you. Um, just one more note about uh, therapists versus coaches. Um, there, there is a, an entire field called ADHD coaching. Um, and coaches can be extremely helpful for people with ADHD um, when, when their issues are, are, are mostly executive functioning. So those are the people that are doing overall doing okay, but struggling with executive function. If, if that's you, um, and you don't have the co-occurring anxiety or depression um, or something else, then a coach can really help you with, with you know, organizing your life, you know, planning things. And coaches are very different than therapists. Um, whereas therapists are going to work on the emotional components, you know, and, and like depression, like anxiety, like your sense of self, like your core beliefs, like your, your you know, your past history and understanding your inner child, et cetera. Um, coaches are going to purely work on, on what, you know, on, on helping you with executive function. And, and actually, can I, can I make an appeal? Sure. Uh, not for money. Um, just an appeal. There, there's, there's a desperate need. For, for coaches, ADHD coaches in our community, um, desperate. Uh, I asked a, a, one of the top prescribers in Lakewood um, for ADHD today uh, for a, you know, who, 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 who he knows that prescribes, uh, you know, that does ADHD coaching, uh, uh, who she knows, and she knew of one person one in the community. I know of maybe three or four. Um, so if it's something, if you're out there and this is something that you know, you're looking for a career and you think you can be helpful with this, or maybe it's something you've gone through. Like very organized and very meticulous. Um, those like good people for that? Like people that are very yucky-ish? Um, so, so sometimes that could be helpful, but there are plenty of coaches who are ADHD. They probably mostly are and who have figured it out themselves and, you know, or, or, or are still in the process of figuring it out, but can learn how to help other people. I would just say that coaching is a very different field than therapy, um, whereas therapy goes with um, uh, an education process and licensure. And, and definitely, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you're going to a, a therapist who's licensed and to, to um, check out background and et cetera. Um, but if you're, you know, coaching, uh, is a less regulated field. So you just want to make sure that, that you, you do a good thorough check on a coach because right. they don't have that licensure process. Okay, let's jump to the next question. Okay, yeah. you're on. Hope that was helpful. So uh, my question is in terms of testing and diagnostics. Um, I have um, three kids, two have a diagnosis, one has ADHD um, and refuses to take medication. So we just try to manage it. Um, I have a little one who is ASD and then my middle child who I am pretty sure she has ADHD. I've gone the route of testing through the Board of Education. They don't find anything, but she displays all of the, um, tip, the typical um, ADHD manifestations in girls, um, such as the inattentiveness, the, the, the disorganization, her room. I can clean her room tomorrow. It will be a disaster by Tuesday. Um, you know, the messy backpack, she, you know, the anxiety, she's a child who has more anxiety enough for everybody in the house. Right. Um, so she displays a lot of the typical manifestations of ADHD in a girl, but um, we've been unsuccessful in getting her a diagnosis. So what would be the next best step to try to get her the help that she she needs in terms of figuring out, is it something on the spectrum? Is it ADHD, you know, basically what, what it is. 
Okay, so <coughs> ADHD is a, it, it's kind of a rule out disorder, meaning we want to make sure that, that we've ruled out everything else, and which is why a, a good thorough diagnosis is important. Um, it's also important because if you have the ADHD diagnosis, you can, you can obtain uh, educational supports from your school system where they can make environmental and classroom modifications that will help your child. And that's really important um, because uh, you know, that, that, that's really the key. Uh, there's a fascinating study um, where they, they actually, um, they did uh, executive function testing on kids before they entered, entered I think it was kindergarten um, and IQ tests. And they, they, they found that the executive function test was a greater predictor of SAT scores uh, way down the road than IQ, which tells us something. It tells us something fascinating. It tells us that executive function is key to, to doing well in school. So, so if you have someone who's, who's scattered and, and not doing well in school and attentive or hyperactive, impulsive, um, then getting a proper diagnosis is, is important. So there are a bunch of different channels. Um, you can go to a, a psychiatrist who's ADHD aware. You want to make sure it's someone who's, who's experienced and well-trained in ADHD. Some people go through their primary care um, providers, <laughs> and primary care providers can be effective um, in, in diagnosing and treating ADHD. Just a, a note of caution that you want to make sure that you're working with someone, A, who has a lot of experience with the medications, if they're going to go the medication route, and B, who's able to pay a lot of attention because very often there's a dropout rate with ADHD meds because um, you know they have in, in the beginning you don't get the right dose and it's not really helping and you don't find that or you're getting a rebound effect or a, you know or side effects and just give up um, or you try something and then you're just still staying on that same dose and you're not really monitoring properly so you want to get someone who's paying attention who's well versed in ADHD um, there are psychiatrists who can do that there are um, social workers who can do that certainly and um, the, the, the biggest step would be uh, a full neuropsych evaluation, but you don't really need to spend you know, thousands of dollars up front and, and, and go for that major evaluation. Sometimes you do, I mean, but, but, but I, I would start with, you know, start with a good psychiatrist. And also it's important to keep in mind that with a kid with ADHD, again, there's a co-occurrence of learning disabilities in 15 to 25% of kids with ADHD. That's something to look out for also, you know, because if we, if we treat the ADHD, but we miss the learning disability, we haven't helped the kid. And if we treat the learning disability, but we don't treat the ADHD, we also haven't helped the kid. So it's important to get that full holistic understanding. Hope that's helpful. And good luck. Okay, let's hop right into this. There's a lot of questions that came in that I still didn't get to that I want to get to. So I'm gonna take like one or two more questions. I'll go and quick. I'm gonna do those, those I have list, yeah. Okay, you're on. Hi. Um, I'll be brief, because you just answered already a lot of my questions here. Um, it sounds like a lot of people have the same problems. I mean, I'm trying to manage, over the years I've learned to manage my own ADD, but you know, you do touch on the issue of multiple problems or multiple issues, and they seem to overlap. I mean, you know, you can have auditory processing or Asperger, you know, some of these symptoms that seem to be confusing. I don't know if they have to be treated separately. Are they, you talk about anxiety and depression, being a symptom of ADHD. I mean, I know I've, I've had that as well, but do you, how, how do you treat all these, you know, multiple problems? Do you, do you think just going to one person for ADHD, I mean, that would help take care of other, other problems? Are these problems just symptoms of ADHD, like 
a sleep disorder, cognitive. It seems like it's a whole package deal that you've got ADHD. Right. You have all these other things going on. Okay, so, so thank you for asking the question and I wish you the best of luck. Um, yeah. It's hard. Uh, but but what I'm saying is that sometimes other things are co-occurring. They happen at the same time. They're not necessarily caused by ADHD. They just interact with it. So, <clears throat> so if you have anxiety, um, then treating the anxiety may be in order in addition to treating the ADHD. And some, you know, that might need um, a skilled therapist who's experienced in working with with um, with anxiety. Or there are medications that treat it as well. And the same for depression. So yeah, I would I would I would try to work with a psychiatrist who can help with the medications and hopefully a quali quality therapist who can help with 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 that as well. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Okay, Devin, I, I want to jump in this question because I want to jump in this question before the next live one because I think it's important. People are texting; they want to hear some positivity about ADHD. I think this question could bring it out. Maybe it's a little bit of a negative question, but uh, use the positive side to it. Okay. And, yeah, and I want to make sure we get to ODD. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll try. Right. <laughs> We're all over the place. Yeah. Okay. We're on my, the map. Husband, my husband has full-blown ADHD. <laughs> not tolerate living with him, but his life is. But he is the party of the life. He has so many friends. He's extremely successful in business. How does that work? Please explain it to me. Okay, let me take a deep breath. Um, yeah. So, so people with ADHD can be the life of the party. Uh, very often, they can also be capable of. Of, of amazing things you know we talked about it earlier they can be they can be the funniest people in the room they can be magnetic they they can accomplish um they're the ones that are building the schools and the schools and 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 running seven businesses at the same time and they're on hatala maybe or 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 anything else because they, they can just function at a level that the rest of us can't and um and yeah sometimes it can also be hard to live with um because some of these executive function deficits may, do make it a challenge. And, and um, I think that if you're a spouse in that situation, um, the first step would be to really get educated and, and take some time to read books, um, uh, do some research and understand ADHD really well, um, because that's gonna be the key. When you can understand ADHD really well, you're gonna relate to your spouse differently. You'll be able to work together in a different way and be able to, to, to shift the dynamic of the relationship so that you can, you can relate to his strengths and not to, just to his weaknesses, because he's going to need uh, a lot of support with weaknesses. Uh, when it comes to kids, it's interesting, um, Hillary Clinton wrote a book called It Takes a Village, which, uh, which was basically all about that it takes a village to ra raise a child. I think when it comes to, to kids with ADHD, it takes a country to raise a child with ADHD. So there's so many there's so many layers of support and that that can be helpful and can be put in, in place and it's the same thing with adults you know so um, maybe working with a coach maybe working with a couple therapist um would be helpful but really getting an understanding of it and being able to be genuine and work through it together is going to make things so much better okay Love it. let's jump i'm sorry for going a little is that positive I, I think that was positive very positive <laughs> i go for two hours i'm positive i i, I believe it you know i'm passionate about it i, I you know, I think ADHD can be the most in incredible gift if it's used no, there's, properly. There's no question that some, that some of the best people I know that do the most amazing things definitely have some type of ADHD, but they seem like they, they figured out how to like, you know, with the, they had a channel that power they have and they hyper-focus. Right. And there's power in that. And I think because of that, Hashem gave them that kayak. And, and 
but she wouldn't it be amazing if if we could change our perspective of how we see it and see it as as something that that it just means your brain is different that's all it is and and in some amazing incredible ways and in some hard challenging ways but nothing more than that if if, if everyone can think of it that way then it wouldn't be so scary and it wouldn't be so imagine scary. it's like imagine if we can look at the kids that are bouncing around the yeshiva and they're like wow this kid really has potential more than other children have 100 percent, a thousand percent like if if we're if we're bam, if teachers could see the kids for who they are <laughs> see beneath the surface and and not see the point of performance issues so they can see the effort instead of the the results because they're trying really hard um i can i, can I give you a quote i heard this from a, a colleague chaim ellis who's who, who, who i don't know if you know me should have him on for executive function, but he, 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 Douglas said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair, repair broken men. An amazing quote, because if we, if we address this when they're kids, and if we, if we catch it when they're in fourth grade, third grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, we have a different adult, like it's so different. Um, can I share a scary statistic? Sure. Um, life expectancy for uh, ADHD, kids with ADHD, um, is reduced by, it, uh, when I first saw the statistic, it blew my mind that it was reduced by 13 years. Wow. Because, because, um, because of that impulsivity, because of that, that risk-taking, because of, uh, you know, if it's not treated properly and, and, and if it's not done right, then it, it's just a bigger, it's just a bigger risk. Eric Erickson, and one more quote, can I do one more quote? He says, children love and want to be loved, and they very much prefer the joy of accomplishment to the triumph of hateful failure. Do not mistake a child for a symptom. And if that's one, if there's one thing you walk away with tonight, that's really it. The, it kids with ADHD, they, they want to do well. Um, Ross Green said it best. He said, children will do well if they can. And if, if every person could shift their understanding of kids with ADHD, a lot of people wanted tips for parenting. This is the one tip that, that you need. Children will do well if they can. If your child isn't doing well, it's because he's lagging in skills and he can't meet the challenges of the environment. If you think of your, your son or your daughter that way, you'll be so much calmer and so much less triggered when, when, when he's throwing ketchup all over the floor or, or, or um, wrecking the, the Shabbos meal. It's not that he can't, he doesn't want to do well. He wants to do well. He wants to be loved. He wants to be liked. He just can't. Um, and if we can stop it now, we're going to build strong children instead of repairing broken men. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. Gonna, I'm you got me started. Go ahead. Every time I have a good verse, like kids don't wake up in the morning and they go, oh, let me get the, off the Derek cornflakes. Let me take the, the, you know, let me take the cereal that's going to be like, you know, mess everything up. It's not like their choice. They, they want to be good. They want to, <laughs> he's laughing. Okay. You asked for it, though. This is the question that you asked for. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. I got this question. I'm waiting for you. I think this is really going to, this is it. My teenage son is 17 years old. It's completely out of control. The Shabbos table is a disaster with him. He fights, argues, throws things. He is not tolerable. He's in yeshiva. His from kite is not an issue. He's, it's just, he has the highest level of defiance I've ever seen. How do I do, deal with it? With a, I call it a tor tornado child. Nice. I love the term, first of all. Um, okay, so so let's start with I'll start with a couple of books. Rose Green wrote a great book um, called The Explosive Child. Um, the Explosive Child, I think, is in every probably in every home in Lakewood at this point. It's like mandatory reading for every from family. Um, probably uh, everyone here got through half of the book at least. 
um, if you made it through to the end, then congratulations, you're awesome. So, so Rose Green's, um, the basic concept is, is, let's start at the beginning. Children will do well if they can. Okay, so if you're ADHD, um, there's a 60%, it's probably about 45 to 60% chance of a co-occurring ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder. So oppositional defiant disorder are the kids who are just the opposite of whatever you want. They're the most defiant kids, the most challenging kids in the world. And they're just anything that you want them to do, they do the opposite. It's almost a reaction. Like if you say A, they say B, and reverse psychology doesn't work on them because they already learned about it because they're bright. And, and they can they can tear apart families. They can make they can make life really, really, really miserable. And that's absolutely defiant. By the way, a colleague of mine, Matthias Miller, wrote a book called The Uncontrollable Child, um, which is an excellent book, uh, which really takes on uh, um, a whole different dimension of acceptance. Oh, that was, was on the share before, and we had a share on the book. Oh, okay, amazing. All right. Um, yeah, so buy the book. Um, but let's start from the beginning. Behind that oppositional child is a kid who, A, um, really wants to do well, has some biological wiring that's getting, getting in the way, and that's causing that oppositionality. Um, so, so this is a four-hour question, but if, if I had to get, give you the, the starting point for working with kids like this, uh, number one is um, be prepared for, for, for a, a long and difficult struggle. Um, that will tear your heart out and, and, and it can make you miserable, it can make your life miserable, it can make your family miserable, but, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and uh, often those are the kids that you'll end up having the most nachas from because they're the ones that you work the hardest at. And kids who are oppositional, um, <coughs> if, you, if you work with them, if you can find the places to A, start off by building your relationship with them because if there's no relationship, there's no work. Um, so I, I would try try as much as possible to find times to um, to spend with them to 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 show them that you care for them and you appreciate them. At the end of the day, I'm quoting uh, my Rabbi Rabbi Elephants. He said, "The most important person in a child's world um, are his parents, and all the child is looking for is to feel okay and feel that his parents believe in him, they they they, they approve of him, and he's good enough for them." Um, and and when you have that, you have secure attachment. You have a kid who, who feels okay, <clears throat> who feels comfortable in his or her own skin. Now, there's going to be a lot of biological wiring, and the, the ODD issue is biological that is going to get in the way. But if you can build that relationship, start there and collaborate. That's the collaborative problem-solving model of Rose Green, um, which takes a lot of internal work. Um, but when you can get to that space where that kid is, feels like he or she is good enough, is okay, um, and you start the collaborative model, start to work with them, start, start, start problem solving. And also sometimes there are medications um, that can be very, very helpful with oppositionality. So I would definitely explore that. And, and, and if you have a kid who's just oppositional and has some symptoms of ADHD and hasn't been diagnosed, it'd be an important thing to look at as well. Um, but my message is that it's, it's the same. It's the same. Those are the same kids. They, they need your love. They need your affection. They need your caring. They're not trying to destroy your family. They're really not. They're really not. It may look like that because they have a point of performance issue. They can't regulate their emotion in the moment and they blow up and they get overwhelmed, but they care and they, they love you and you love them and they want to be part of the family that's going to be a future and you're going to get through it. You're going to need a lot of help. You're going to need a lot of support multiple layers of support. It takes a, it takes a country to raise an ADHD child. Uh, it takes a planet to raise an oppositional child. How's that? Beautiful.
Okay, we're going to take the, we have, a, first of all, the little people waiting on, on hold for live. I have to apologize because I don't have enough time. And I have two other things I have to get into. So this is the last live question for tonight. And then I have two other ones. And I apologize. It's my fault because I do have to leave. So let's let's do the last live. Then we'll get into the other two topics and then closing. Go. Okay. So basically, um, my question is like this. Um, I'm, I have ADHD and I'm taking medication for it. But it's really only helping a little bit. It's not really making like a huge difference. First of all, why isn't it like fixing the problem completely? And what else could I do about it? Great question. So first of all, like um, helping a little, but it's really doing nothing. Right. Like I still have all the symptoms. Okay. So first of all, pills pills uh, pills don't teach skills, which means that um, the medication helps to a point. It will help you with executive functioning, um, but that puts you in a space where 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 you can learn things to help your life, and and you'll be in a better space to to function. Um, I would go go discuss it with your psychiatrist and say and share exactly that. Say, hey. You know the medication is really not helping me and what can we explore to to try to get something that works better the way medication works with adhd uh, we don't really have a way that would be the 64 million dollar question if we had a way to know which medication which drug will work the best at which dosage for each person no one's ever figured that out <laughs> first person to figure that out is going to be extremely extremely wealthy because um really it's a trial and error so we, we have a general idea but a skilled psychiatrist or, or or a psychiatric nurse practitioner should be able to help you work through different classes of medication different doses and try to find whatever will work best for you um, and then uh working with a coach or a therapist in you know in conjunction with that might be helpful as well so hopefully things will get better good luck I just want to bring up these two last ones and then we're going to go to closing, okay? Because I think they're both very important and I want to cover it a little bit. And you realize that we did not touch a lot of, of the questions that came in and we have a, had a lineup of people. So that this is a living proof for Abdullah that you have to come back. I'm just letting you know. Since you have a lot more time now in the summer, probably- I don't, don't, do, I, I don't know if I can go through this again, uh, the, the week lead up. <laughs> Tell me the day of, I'm good. Yeah, the summertime. It seems like you have a lot of available time in the summer now. Um, <laughs> Okay, let's 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 go, let's talk about this one. Okay, everyone talks about medicine, meds. I'm concerned at such a young age. How will my child ever learn to be calm and be a mensch? It's just a crush. How will he learn to live a normal, successful life without learning the basic normal skills? Basically, what the lady was saying before, but a little bit more like it's it's becoming only a crutch. They're never going to learn how to be a mensch, how to do have executive function. Right. It's a, it's an excellent question, um, and I'm I'm excited to have the opportunity to address it. In this forum, because I, I think that that's probably the number one hesitation, um, the, the 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 crutch question. So so let's talk about it. <coughs> we understand that from 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 brain scans and from all the research that's been done on this that ADHD is a biological uh, issue in the brain. I mentioned earlier that the prefrontal cortex is is delayed in thick in, in the thickening by by about three years. So we understand that. A kid with ADHD um, really doesn't have the brain-based ability to function at the level of his peers. What the medication can help with is bring him up to that level, right? So if he's below the level and it brings him up to that level, so now we have a kid who's able to function in the classroom environment and sometimes often in the home environment as well. If we give him uh, that opportunity by giving him the medication, Pills don't teach skills. He still needs to learn how to live life and he still needs to learn how to be a mensch, but he or she will be in a much, much better position to do that when they're, 
when their executive functioning system is functioning in a way that helps them to function. Um, when you look at the research, <coughs> the, the long-term studies of the differences between kids who are medicated and kids who aren't medicated as children um, when they need it, only when they need it, but when they need it uh, on, their, on their growth, on their education, on their, uh, on their life expectancy, on their ability to, uh, to, to hold down a job, on their earning potential. I forgot the number, I feel bad, but I, I think it's like $10,000 less or something per year, like they've done studies on this, um, on their, their likelihood to stay in a marriage. Um, someone with ADHD that's untreated is twice as likely um, to, to, um, to be divorced and, and for the marriage not to, not, not, to, you know, not to sustain. So all these things are so important and um, it's controversial, but Russell Barkley uh, and Dr. Glenn Hurst definitely believe that um, ADHD is neuroprotective the medications. So that means that they're, they're actually working to, to help your brain develop. So if you're on the medications, your brain, and, and along with all the environmental modifications of work you're doing, you're going to be in a better developmental space as you grow to, to develop into a healthier, emotionally healthy adult. So the answer to the question is really the opposite of the question, is that the, the medication often will give you the best chance, but so important to, to be accepting of it and to be understanding as a parent and to know that, hey, I might not get my kid and, 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 and just accepting and accepting your diagnosis if you have it, because it's really okay. It's really, it's really okay. Yeah. Let's end with this last question. I know it's a big one. I'm sorry for throwing this at the end and then we're gonna to go to closing, okay? Sure. It's, it's one question that emailed, but I wanna globalize it. The question is from a teacher. I'm a teacher in a girl's school for fifth graders who just who, who fifth graders who is just not with the program. She's a spaced out like a couch potato. What is this? What should be done about? It? That's the first question. But I really want to globalize it. A lot of people are texting. As a teacher, as a machana, somebody who's dealing with children, when they see a child that's out of control, or let's say this couch potato, whatever it is, what's the best angle they should take as a teacher? Again, you have 30 kids in the class. This one is bouncing around. Like speak to them. How would you would talk to a teacher? or principal or a Mora, anybody that has this kid, that's, this kid's making them psycho and making the class out of control. Just talk to them right now. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, so, so yeah, you know what? The, this is, this is a, a huge question and, and, and a huge challenge. If you're a teacher, you're an educator, you're in a classroom and you have a kid who, who, who seems to, something is wrong, right? And you don't understand what it is. Um, so it's not your job to, to be a diagnostician. You don't have to diagnose it, but that is the space to ask for help. I mean, that's the space to consult with the principal. That's the space to, you know, to possibly bring in, uh, you know, a school evaluation team to, to figure out because diagnosis is key. The first thing we need to do is understand what is going on with this kid. We have to get beneath the surface and understand um, not the behavior, but what's motivating the behavior beneath the surface. What is the issue that's blocking this kid from doing what he or she wants to do, which is be an amazing kid and a great student? So that's step one. Step one is understanding. Um, step two is really, really learning and opening yourself up to learning about what ADHD is. Um, it, maybe it means attending a training or, or reading books or consulting with someone who, who treats ADHD or talking to people who are ADHD or even talking to the kid uh, himself or herself and say, hey, can you help me understand what's going on for you? Like, what works for you? What does it feel like for you? You know, what goes wrong in the classroom? How can we fix it? Like, how can I help you with it? How can we, how can I give you um, supports 
and work with you so that you can do better, so that you can you, you, you can work better because I believe in you, I understand you, or I don't understand you, but I want to understand you. So it's about not judging, not not you know, and not not certainly not running to punishment. Like let's understand, let's build a system, let's work together, let's figure out how you can be the best the best kid that that you are. Um, and again, when 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 a teacher has that connection with a student and has that belief in the student and a kid with ADHD feels that the sky, I'm telling you, the sky is the limit. The sky is the limit. That kid will, will, will do amazing and will store even with the ADHD. Um, and it does take some flexibility, on, on, you know, from the teacher or the Rebbe or, or the principal, because they do need a little bit of a different system. And, and collaborating with parents, um, with school psychologists, um, with school social workers, uh, with with people in the field, it's going to be huge. When, when we could build a scaffolding around this kid to, to build in supports to help fill in what the brain doesn't have in elementary school, then you have a kid who can get through it and get to high school. Um, because so, so many of these kids, uh, when they when they get through school, if they can get through with their sense of self intact and they feel good about themselves and they feel okay, they're incredible adults. Incredible. Um, emotionally healthy, um, they, they do great in, in relationships. They're, they're, you know, these are the people who are so successful. There's so many successful adults who have ADHD, um, leaders of our community, you know, people in, in, in strong leadership positions. But, but developing that understanding, being accepting, um, being non-judgmental, um, being open to, to, to think about it, to be aware, to discuss, to work through things, that, that to me is the key. David, thank you. Again, I want to apologize to everybody that I'm cutting it short. We have so much more to cover, and uh, it's my fault, but I have to take it. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Coach. Wait, 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 wait. We're just getting warmed up. Now you're closing. Sorry. First, You're I right. want to go to David Beck for coming out tonight. Give us so much physics, the tremendous amount of emails and questions. And so many people wanted to ask live, which was unbelievable. David, you're, 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 the word that you said, I think that we have to make the PowerPoint of tonight is what we have to look at the kid and how to build the kid. And to realize that these kids are the special kids and these adults are the type of the ones that really have these um, unique if we could change our mindset and how to view it and how to work on ourselves make a tremendous difference i think that's a tremendous takeaway again next sunday we're gonna have a powerful program with therapist dr Yom tepfer who's on before son of Lord weinberger the founder director of arbens intensive we're going to be discussing new frontiers uh, what is psychedelics assisted psychotherapy how can it possibly heal my trauma addictions emotional pain it's about you know going into deep places of people that have been through tremendous things in life via medication and um it's a hot topic right now so i definitely want to understand it get into it and please join us next week it should be an unbelievable program for anybody who's interested in getting a flyer every sunday and posting it on the whatsapp status to sending out to your family and letting more people know about the chair being mechazic it's all coming from your you so please whatsapp me at 848-525-0066 again that's 848-525-0066 and every sunday morning the channel i'll send you the flyers Tremendous. You get a mitzvah just for posting it. That's what I said. Um, everything is recorded tonight. I'll be on to share my menachemburnfeld.com on his website. If anybody has any questions, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. David, I have to put you on the spot. A lot of people asking us how to get a hold of you, what to do. I have ADHD. Just, I don't know if you want to give out your email, your home address, your social security number, whatever you want to give out, or just a little hadrocha here. Yeah. So if you can do that, maybe wait for your closing, just if somebody, they can start with that. Again, tonight's share, share number 88. It's, and anybody wants to hear it on the phone, it'll be tomorrow, tomorrow on our personal phone lines at 848-777-GROW. And so give out that number again. A special thank you to all the advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop, Rabbi Anyanif from Chazak, Chayla Kaufman, Shmuel Summer from JCN, and Reb David for coming on. Coach Menachem closing, then followed by Reb David. Coach Menachem. Reb David, 
I want to give you a dirge of And sitting over here listening to Coach Menachem about ADHD and about the child is pretty good. Getting some education and listening to answers, which, which were amazing. But when you're in that situation and the child is not, co- you're not coping, it's chaotic, it's very hard to hear and to implement these things. So first that you were here tonight, that's first of all, you get a shkoyach just for the knowledge. That is the first step. And then eventually to be able to understand it's not your fault, a little bit of acceptance. It doesn't mean you're not a good parent. You're trying to figure this out. And with a little bit of acceptance, you can take a deep breath and get some more education. But there's one thing that we've heard in tonight, but to be able to validate the child is, is, could be very hard in such a situation because it looks like they're doing everything, everything wrong. And when you're going to want to ask them, tell me what's going on, you have to be ready for that because they're going to bring up stuff that you're going to say, why? No, maybe not. Why what are you talking about? It makes no sense to you. But you have to make sure that you're quiet and just listen to the kid's point of view which could be very hard. And again, if you have the hadrocha, whether it's a therapist or support groups or whatever you need, because like we heard, you need a lot of support and it's a journey. It does, it's not, doesn't go overnight. But Baruch Hashem, just to, to hear a little bit of the concepts, the ideas, and take it where you need to go with it, therapist or the support groups, and Hashem should help. Um, we forgot to say, you know, a tefillah always helps. Like we heard David said a tefillah, and that's how he found his keys in the Yama Melech. Even if you're about to give up, a tefillah always helps. So Hashem should help, help us all, ourselves, with our spouse, with our kids, to grow up healthy, intact, so that when they get older, they know how to use what they have with the, with the tools that Hashem gave them, so they should have a healthy, Beautiful life. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, thank you, Coach Menachem and Ashi, uh, for having me on. It was a, it was a, a tremendous honor. Thank you. Ashi, next week I want to see Yachad shirt. Um, and Coach Menachem, just just to, to thank you, uh, for, just to add on to what you said, um, just a message to parents out there that um, I think you mentioned this up front. Uh, this is a journey. Um, it could be an incredible journey raising children with ADHD. And it will be an incredibly difficult journey, but it's a journey. And make sure to to not blame yourself. Uh, take care of yourself along the way. You know, keep yourself in in good good in good healthy space. You know, if you need help, get help for yourself because that will that will put you in a calm, relaxing you know place. And remember to shift your shift your perspective so that you can see your child as someone who wants to do well, who wants your, your, your love, wants your affection, wants to feel that he or she is really good enough in your eyes. That, that'll be the key. My email, by the way, is david at davidbecker.com. If anyone wants to reach out to me personally, um, I'll, I'll try to respond uh, in a timely fashion as, as, as my executive function system allows, um, which I outsourced, so it's all good. Alrighty, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Yes, see everybody next week. And yes, Tvila is the key. Thank yes, you very good. much. See everybody next week, same time, same place. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. David, Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small 
monthly monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.